This is Father's Day, um, and we're, as, as I'm sure you've already talked about, um, and you know, my father, I, I no longer have him with me here on earth, and uh, he was a pastor, clearly, and, and uh, the last thing he ever did publicly uh, in ministry was uh, on Father's Day, uh, when I was at Warnell, he came in and he did a blessing for all the dads that were there, and uh, it was very meaningful, and I'm obviously, these kind of days bring that back to mind. But I want to read again, uh, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. There's so much in John chapter 15. It's just a glorious, rich, wonderful place to hang out. It's where Jesus says in verse 1, I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. There's tremendous truth in that. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. This wonderful story in John 15 of everything we have in Jesus and everything he, ha- he gives to us is just powerful. But preceding that, preceding this, this wonderful chapter 15 is chapter 14 where Jesus lays out some really difficult, challenging things are going to happen. And it seems appropriate this morning that even though this was a, a small thing, you and I both know, right? We are, we are one phone call from our life changing forever. We are, we are one doctor's visit. We are waking up one morning with a pain we never had before and nothing ever being the same. That's the nature of the life that we live. And so this wonderful John 15 is preceded by what Jesus talks about, about some things that are going to happen to the disciples that they're not particularly prepared for, they, don't, they aren't really able to understand, and Jesus knows they're going to be overwhelmed by it. Father, as we begin this morning to look in your word in detail, speak to our hearts as only you can, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. The familiar passage in John 14 we hear all the time, and I quote many times in different sermons because it's so applicable, is where Jesus says, uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you, that where I am you will be also, obviously. But look at what he says in verse 18 of John 14. So if you're in 15, just go up to John 14. Just one, one sentence. He tells them in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And he says in verse 19, yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. Now these disciples are completely, what do you mean we're not going to be orphans? What a strange thing to say to to 12 strong young men. (laughs) Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans orphans. Now, orphans in the first century were very, very vulnerable. We can't even begin to imagine how vulnerable orphans in the first century were. They were preyed upon. They were taken advantage of. They were abused. They were misused. And if no one came to their protection, they probably weren't going to live. They didn't have any social services. Nobody took care of them. They were on their own. And it was a very dangerous place. There was, in terms of the social ladder and, 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 and the ability of it, they were below widows. They were at the bottom. You know, the Bible often talks about orphans and widows. They were below widows. They were at the bottom. They had no hope. They had no, if they're an orphan, then they don't have an aunt or an uncle. They don't have someone to, they are children, five, seven, nine years old, literally living on the street 
literally at the mercy of others. And remember, even in the first century, you didn't have a lot of the laws and things that protect children you have today. And it was a terribly vulnerable place. And, and so Jesus knows, check this out, listen to this. He knows that in a few, few days when he is, is, is arrested, beaten, crucified, dead, they are going to feel the same hopelessness and helplessness that they would feel if they were an orphan. It would be just as though everything they had trusted in, everything they, all their future was now completely, and actually, you know, that first Sunday night of the resurrection, they are behind closed doors for fear of the authorities. They truly did believe that that night, the next sound they would hear would not be the voice of Jesus, but would be the voice of Roman soldiers as they broke down the door and carried them away to be crucified. That's really what they thought. And so Jesus preparing them for this by telling them, look, all, and I guess if you want to title this sermon, it would be all evidence to the contrary. All evidence to the contrary, I am not leaving you as orphans. Because sometimes in life, all evidence says this is a, this, we're alone, we're, we're, we're vulnerable, life is, is, is frightening. And again, this morning was a, a small, minute thing compared to what many of us have experienced and will experience in life. But it, again, it's a reminder of how we are not in control of anything. We like to feel like we're totally in control. And certainly there's some things you can control. You can control how you drive, whether you use a seatbelt or not. You can control the best you can eat and take care of your body and follow your doctor's instructions. Certainly you can do those things. You can, you can cut back on your risky behavior and those kinds of things. But the reality of it is you can't control what that guy coming home from a party does on, on, on 7 Highway if he crosses that center line at just the wrong time, right? We all know that. And so if we really, some of us dealing with fear and anxiety, some of us handle it better than others, but at the end of the day, we all know there's things we can't control. And so Jesus is saying, you, I will not leave you as orphans. Yet at that moment, when, when Judas betrays him and they carry him off to Caiaphas' house and they beat him senseless so he can't even recognize him, and then of all things, they actually go to crucify him and they hang him on a cross and he dies. And they actually take his dead, lifeless body and they put it in a tomb and they seal it. Where's the hope in any of that? And certainly, Jesus knows that at that point, they're going to feel as hopeless, as helpless, and as vulnerable as orphans. And if you and I live long enough, there will be a day, a week, a month, a season in our life, maybe more than one, when we too are going to feel hopeless, helpless, vulnerable, out of control, like orphans. And by the way, you know, I sometimes, I know in life we look around for a referee to throw a flag and say, there's a penalty. That's not fair. You know, we all talk about fairness in this world and it's, everybody wants everything to be fair. And I got, I've just got news for you. This side of heaven, it's not all fair. Even in this body, even in this congregation, you'll have some members who are going to endure far more struggle, adversity, hardship than others. Yesterday, Jill and I spent the entire day in Cameron, Missouri at a, a music festival for, uh, for raise, raise resources and, and funds and help for, for childhood victims of cancer. 
And between every uh, musician, a family got up and told their story. And every one of the stories broke your heart. And, and uh, you know, some of them, some of the children are, are recovering. Some of them did not recover. And the parents tell the story of losing their child. Yesterday, one wonderful woman talked about her, her little boy um, became ill at age 13 and went to, went to MD Anderson and went to uh, New York City and had all the treatments you could possibly have and the struggles they had and all the money they spent and how she had to quit work. And finally, uh, it, just two months or two weeks rather before his 18th birthday, he, he died in a hospice here in Kansas City. And as she said, while all of his friends were preparing their uh, high school graduations, he was actually on his own preparing his own funeral service. Now you hear that, and, and, and then there's an, they have another son who's very young and very healthy and very active, and, and you think, why, why that family and not me, right? Why, 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 why them and not me? Another young lady said that her little girl was four years old, and she became ill with a stomach ache and just thought it was nothing, and took her to the bathroom, tried to go to the bathroom, and nothing happened, and one thing led to another. They ended up at the clinic, and then they ended up at the hospital, then they ended up at Children's Mercy. And within 24 hours, they realized their child had a very aggressive kinds of stomach cancer and had a 15% chance of living. So I heard these stories yesterday, one after another after another. And again, it re-emphasizes in our minds the uncertainty of life and the fact that as we look at life, we say that's not all fair. Why, why would these good parents who love their children have to go through all of this, Right? And so we, we look around and we say, it's, and I'm going to tell you, this side of heaven, I can't tell you why these things happen to other people. As I said many times, on the question of why, the Bible is often quite silent, but on the question of what now, it's full of what we should do next. And on the ultimate question of hope, it is very, very clear. But this side of heaven, we're going to look around and there are going to be times that we feel like we're more orphaned than somebody else. Our problems are greater than someone else's, but I promise you, you can find someone in this world whose problems are even greater than yours. And so the issue here Jesus is talking about to these disciples, preparing him for things that they're not even expecting to come, and when they come, they're going to feel overwhelmed by. So you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody ever overwhelmed by something you didn't expect to happen in your life? Did you ever just feel complete like, like it was a gut punch, like you had nothing left in you, like you were totally helpless and hopeless because you really were? And when Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, he's preparing them for that moment. And I just want you this morning, if there's been a time in your life when something like that has happened, or perhaps, dear saint, it's happening to you now, but it may yet happen in one day, and you feel as vulnerable, as helpless, as hopeless as an orphan, remember, all evidence to the contrary, Jesus says, I am not leaving you as orphans. He takes the responsibility for you. And all of the hurt, and all the struggle, and all the challenges, and all of the heartache, I am not leaving you as orphans. Orphans, first and foremost, have no one to feed them in the first century. They were always hungry and starving. And they only could live on what they could beg. Jesus does not leave us as orphans because he never, check this out, he never leaves us hungry. He never leaves us wanting and, and without fulfillment. He is all we need. The scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We, we distort that. That may be the most, one of the most misquoted, misused scriptures in all the world. I see all of my young intern pastor friends who run marathons and even do the, the, uh, 
the triathlete kinds of stuff. You know, I can quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me all day long, but I can't run a marathon, all right? Let's be honest, I can't. I can do all things through Christ strengthen me. I, I preached to 600 Korean pastors this week in Birmingham, Alabama. I can't speak Korean. Well, that verse says all things through Christ who strengthen. That's not what that means. If you go back and read the context, it means for my salvation, for following Jesus, for what he asked of me to do for him, I can do all things that he asked me to do through him who strengthens me. And the reality is that you can hold on to that verse and know that if he brings something across your path, if life brings something to you, in that sense, yes, you can do all that God puts there in front of you for you to do, not through your strength, but through Christ who strengthens you. And when Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you, he is your strength. Not your inner self, not being confident in who you are, not trying to think positively, but by running to him and relying on him and letting him embrace him. Orphans don't have anything to eat, they're not fed. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And we nourish upon him every single day. And he will never leave us or forsake us. And he'll give us daily, give us this day our daily bread. That obviously means physical food, but it also means just the daily bread to live life itself. We daily have to go to the Lord every single day. And he will, think about this. Every time we go to him, he's there. He loves us. He embraces us. He is not leaving us. Everybody else may abandon us in our heartache and our trouble. Life may spin out of control, but Jesus says, I will not leave you. I can't tell you what the future holds, but as a songwriter has so wonderfully said, I can certainly tell you who holds the future, and he holds my hand. And that's enough. He feeds us. He's there with us. Secondly, orphans, as I said, were very vulnerable. They could be abused and even killed in many different terrible ways. But Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Why? Not only is he one that, not the, the one that provides our daily food, he is the one that provides our protection against the adversary. Satan would love to have our souls. He would love to have us uh, ever as an object of God's wrath. He would love to have our salvation taken from us. But yet the reality is this, my salvation doesn't depend on my behavior. It doesn't depend on anything I have done. It depends entirely upon what Jesus Christ has already accomplished. This wonderful young Christian kid named Mo Pitney, some of you know country music. Mo is, he is the most dedicated, I mean gospel-centered, theologically sound young man you'd ever want to meet. And yesterday he was singing to, you know, a tremendous number of people, some good old country songs. And right in the midst of it, he said this. He said, you know... Everybody has a past they're running from. You know, a lot of country music is about the past and broken hearts and running from it. He said, I have a past, but he said, I'm glad I don't have to run from it anymore. I'm glad that 2,000 years ago it was nailed to a cross and crucified forever. And I just love the fact that no matter what happens to us, Jesus stands before us and he ever makes intercession on our behalf and Satan cannot have us. And our, our salvation is secure. I say all the time, man, one of the things, I may worry about a lot of things, all right? No, I do worry about a lot of things. Anxiety and worry is the most 
It's the most challenging part of my life. And the older I get, the more I battle it. But you know, I never worry about the resurrection. I never wonder if when, when I die, if I got to figure out somehow or another how to raise myself from the dead. I'm fully confident Jesus can do that. Well, if he can do that, he can take care of everything else, right? And he's promised he will do that. And I can have a really bad day today, and I can live out of fellowship with Jesus, and I can live out of fellowship with you, and I can go to bed tonight, and I'm going to wake up in the morning, and I'm still going to be saved because Jesus has saved me and holds me. He's my protector. He's my sword, my shield. He's the one that does not allow Satan to destroy my soul and, and, and completely take me away. He is my protector, and he is a strong captain and a mighty warrior. And there are times I pray to him that way. There are times I, I, I talk about spiritual warfare, and I just pray, and I just remind Satan who Jesus is and the victory he's won, and he's already won it, and Satan, you're defeated. I will not leave you as orphans. I will daily feed you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will protect you from your enemy, Satan. He cannot have you. He cannot take you any longer. You belong to me. You are clothed in my righteousness. What a glorious and wonderful truth. And then thirdly and finally, I will not leave you as orphans because orphans, their parents, their loved ones have died. I'm not going to die. He said, I will live and I will come to you. And just like we preached a couple of weeks ago on Memorial Day weekend, sometimes we doubt the resurrection. We doubt whether there really is life after death. And over and over again, the scripture tells us there is. It's not unclear. It's not cloudy. It's not iffy. Jesus makes it abundantly clear. He was going to die, and then he was going to live again. And because he lives, we will live. And Jesus says, it may appear, all evidence may show you that you're an orphan when I, in a few days. You may feel like you don't know where your future is. You have no hope. You may feel vulnerable, like the soldiers are going to take you away and, and you're going to be tortured and crucified and that's it. You, you may feel like you're never going to see me again because I was once here with you and now I'm in this tomb sealed up. But he said, all evidence to the contrary, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I will come to you. Let me just end it with this. He's not, there are angels all around us, you know. Alabama made that clear. There are angels all around us. And if we're here this morning, there are, there are angels in our midst. I believe that. I truly do. But Jesus isn't sending Michael or Gabriel to care for you. Jesus says, I will come to you. I'm not giving this to some other heavenly host to take care of this heart. I, I, you know, Gabriel and, and Michael, they may come and speak to Mary. They may come and speak to Joseph. They may come and make some announcements. But I am the one coming to you. You're not an orphan. I'm not sending a surrogate. I'm coming to you. This is my job. You're my child and I will come to you. Man, when the days when you're lonely, the days when you're stressed, the days when you're frightened, the days when life seems to be spinning out of control and they will, you can say all evidence to the contrary. I am not an orphan. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but Jesus holds tomorrow and he holds my hand. And I may not know where my next meal's coming from, but he does. And I may not know how I'm going to face tomorrow with all this anxiety, but he will not leave me. 
And he'll nourish me with his love and his word and his church and my other believers around me. I'm not an orphan. And I'm not an orphan because as strong as an adversary that Satan is, he has nothing that he can do that can take me from my Lord. My salvation is secure. I'll never lose it. And my home in heaven is an absolute certainty. And Satan, you can no longer have me. My righteousness is in Jesus. And there's nothing you can do to take that away. No one can pluck me out of his hand. I am safe in his care. And I am not an orphan. Because my Redeemer lives. And I can speak to him anytime, all the time, every day, every hour. And one sweet, glorious, wonderful day. When I finally cross over from death, from life unto death, I will open my eyes and I will see him face to face in all of his radiant glory. Paul says, we now see through a glass dimly. What that really means is that right now things are somewhat unclear, but there is a day coming, he says, right? There's a day coming when we are going to see him just as he is. That glass is going to be removed, and we're going to see him face to face, and we're going to know everything. You're going to know why all of those things happened to you, all those things happened to those people you were with. You're going to be aware of everything that could have happened to you that didn't because he intervened. You're going to see how it all worked together for your joy and for the glory of God and it's going to be a glorious, wonderful day. And that day is a certainty. So all evidence to the contrary, you're not an orphan if you know Jesus and he knows you. And there's nothing you have to fear ultimately because you have no pit so deep, as Corey Dinpoom says, that God's love is not deeper still. Now, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, you are on your own. You are already an orphan. You don't know it, but you're already starving. You don't know it, but you're already captive by Satan. You don't know it, but you already don't have life. Perhaps you don't know that eternal and everlasting in God's presence. You are already an orphan, but you can become his child today. When the prodigal came running home and told his father, look, I'm not even worthy to be your son. Just let me be your servant. The father said, go get the best robe and put it on him. Who owned the best robe in the house? The father. Put my clothes on him. Didn't even clean him up or give him a bath. Just put the robe over him. Just covered it all up so that what you saw was this beautiful, glorious robe of the father. Look, you don't have to get cleaned up before you come to God. You don't have to go home and try to clean yourself up and straighten out your life. You just come and let him put his cleansing on you, all right? And if you do that, you're adopted into his family. You have a seat at his table. You are an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. We will rule and we will reign together. And all evidence to the contrary, you will never, ever, ever be an orphan.